Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Welcome back, dear friends. Thanks once again for tuning into the podcast. I thought it would be rather appropriate to take a moment, actually more than a moment, an entire episode to discuss the matters that are before us right now regarding the Ukraine-Russia situation. And what we've been talking about over the last few weeks in our podcast about submission to governing authorities and how God ordained uh, governing authorities and how God has required Christians to submit, that brings to mind some very serious questions about what should a Christian do when they are confronted with a situation like what is presently happening in the war between Russia and Ukraine. Now, let's recognize that we are viewing this conflict from an American perspective. We cannot forget that we are, we are colored and biased by our own culture and society and the laws that govern ourselves. And so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the law of Russia. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the law of Ukraine. I don't really know very much about what the particular laws of the countries are. But I will say this, the principles that the scriptures explain, the principles and the commands, these are commands, that the scriptures expect believers to follow are cross-cultural. It doesn't matter whether you live under the most generous and benevolent government or under the worst tyranny. You are expected to follow and obey the principles and the commands of the Word of God. And so I want to take you actually to the text of the sermon that I preached this past Sunday, March 6th. If you want to hear the entire sermon, you can go to our church's YouTube page, uh, Grace Brethren Chapel, and the sermon is, in, is entitled, The Christian's Public Conduct. But what I really want to do is I want to, lift the, I want to lift the first point that I made under the Christ, uh, godly character for Christian, godly character for the Christian in the public sphere. I want to lift that point out and then explain it briefly to you and then also talk about some areas of application if you were a Christian living in Russia or if you were a Christian living in Ukraine or perhaps if you were a Christian here living in the United States. So listen to what Paul instructs Timothy. Titus chapter 3 verse 1. Remind them, that is, tell the believers, those who profess faith in Jesus, to be submissive to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Now, there are seven characteristics that Paul describes for the Christian. And the Christian, every Christian, is to grow in each one of these characteristics. And these characteristics are, are good for the Christian in relationship to, let's say, living amongst the brethren, but the primary application of these characteristics is how do Christians live amongst unbelievers? How do Christians live in the unbelieving world? 
And notice, three of the seven characteristics involve submission to authority. Paul says, remind them to be submissive to rulers, submissive to authorities, and to be obedient. Now, I want to walk us through again what submission means. It is the voluntary yielding of our will, of your own personal will, to that of someone else who has authority over you. So it is the voluntary yielding of one who is inferior to one who is a superior. This is not a yielding where you are coerced or forced to give way. This is a yielding that you do voluntarily. In the same way that Jesus voluntarily left heaven and came to live on the earth as a man, and while he was on the earth, he submitted himself to all the all the will or the entire will of God the Father. He didn't do anything that was outside of the will of God the Father. And Paul makes it very clear that we are to submit to basically two categories of people, and we are to submit whether we agree or not. That's what this passage is really teaching. First, we are to be submissive to rulers. Now, a ruler is an individual who has authority over you. So we're talking about a specific person. Uh, It could be, for example, a governor of the state. It could be the president of the United States. It could be a local law enforcement officer, like a police officer um, of the city that you live in, or the sheriff of the county, or a state highway trooper. A ruler is somebody who has been granted authority by the government to carry out the will of the government. And Paul says, when you encounter these individuals, you are to be submissive to them, okay? Next, Paul says, you are to be submissive to authorities. And an authority in this context, and really in other contexts as well, is an overarching system of power that one lives under. We think of God's authority, God the Father's authority over all of creation, Jesus Christ's authority over all creation, and we know that it is an overarching system of power. Well, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, tells us that God established human government and God established all human authorities, and we are to live in subjection to those authorities. And government, uh, governmental authority is what is primarily in view. But there are other authorities as well, such as the authority that a business owner would have over his business. There are authorities that school districts have over the students and the teachers and the staff who work at that school district, and so forth and so on, right? This authority has been granted power by God to act by making decrees or laws that you must obey. So these are broad laws. They are overarching laws. They are laws that are enacted and that you must obey those laws because the authorities made them. And sometimes, like in our country, in the United States, we have the political parties changing who is predominantly in authority. But oftentimes, when the political party changes, the laws that we live under don't change. Therefore, we have to continue operating according to the laws that have been established by our governing authorities. 
Now the interesting thing about this is that the authority does not have to be present for you to obey that authority. The authority does not have to be present for you to obey that authority. This is a very key point. You are going to be responsible to know the laws and to practice the laws without somebody standing looking over your shoulder. Finally, Paul tacks on this third command, okay? This third command, and that is to be obedient, all right? To be obedient. You are going to submit to authority by obeying. You may not like what an authority has asked you to do, but you are going to do it anyways. This word is emphasizing your personal responsibility to obey whether you agree with or disagree with the decision that has been made. Now, I know that you all are going to ask, well, is there ever a time to disobey? And the answer, of course, is yes, there is a time to disobey. And the time to disobey is when an authority asks you to do something that is in direct violation of the Word of God. For example, the United States federal government made it legal in 2015 for lesbians and gay men to marry one another. So a woman can marry a woman and a man can marry a man. And they made that legal. And so there are some who are performing the weddings of two men and who are performing the weddings of two women. Now, God has very clearly established in his word in Genesis chapter 2, in Matthew chapter 19, that marriage is only between one man and one woman. Therefore, if the government came to me as a pastor and said, you have to marry these two men, I would be within my God-given authority, or my God-given right to refuse to marry them because the the marriage is not actually a marriage and the action that the governing authority is asking me to do is in violation of the word of god you understand that's what we're that's what we're talking about when we're talking about be obedient um, you can obey but if it if the governing authority or the ruler asks you to violate the word of god you say no you don't do that if the governing authority came to me and said, you know what, we're going to um, increase your tax rate from 20% to 50%, you know what, I, I would not like it, but I would pay the increased tax rate. Because the Bible says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. So unfortunately, in that situation, I would have to give to Caesar what he wanted. Now, um, this... This is all well and good until we run into situations that really tug on our heartstrings, like, for example, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. The Russian government has invaded the Ukrainian government, and they are, um, in some ways, indiscriminately killing civilians. I don't want to uh, make too much of a big deal about that because there are some civilians who are being killed but it's not quite uh, as, as terrible as it possibly could be, and I'm not trying to minimize it in any way. But you see that there does not appear to be a just reason for this war. It seems to be something that is done on the whim of a dictator named Vladimir Putin, and this man wants to take over the Ukraine to secure some type of legacy for himself and the Russian people. 
And if you read the news reports, you can see that there are literally thousands of people, over 13,000 as of this past weekend, who had been arrested in Russia for protesting the government's war. And apparently in Russia, there is a law against, they call it hooliganism, or it can be expanded to protesting. So what would you do in that situation as a Christian? Now, mind you, we are, we are not saying that uh, it's wrong to protest. We're not saying anything that, um, you know, that, that these people have done anything wrong from a biblical perspective. So protesting is not morally wrong. It's not morally prohibited from the scriptures. But apparently, the, the government of Russia has prohibited protesting. They have prohibited this uh, protests and gatherings under this law that bans hooliganism. So what would you do if you were a Christian? What would you do? I know what I would do. I would not protest. And that doesn't mean that I, by not protesting, am endorsing the war. I don't endorse the war. I don't think it's wise. But as a Christian, our, we have to remember that our kingdom is not of this world. Our responsibility as Christians would be to preach the gospel during this time because it is the power of the gospel and the effect of the gospel that could actually have a large-scale effect on the government of Russia and on the people of Russia. Why? Because if people come to know the gospel, if people come to know the gospel, that will fundamentally change how they view the world around them. It will. And so if I was in Russia as a Christian, I would be looking at the laws of the land and I would say, you know what, I think that I have a biblical right to protest, but my government has prohibited me from protesting. Therefore, therefore I will not protest because I am going to obey the governing authorities. Now you may say, well, the government of Russia has also prohibited preaching the gospel. Well, guess what? I have a mandate from Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. That comes from Matthew 28. And so I am going to continue preaching the gospel. I'm to continue pursuing making disciples because I have a God-given mandate to do that. I do not have a God-given mandate to protest. I think one of the things that's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around as American Christians is that rebellion against the government is not celebrated in the New Testament. We celebrate rebellion against the government because our country was founded in a rebellion. Our country was founded through a rebellion. Now, from a Christian perspective, I'm not saying that the rebellion was right or wrong. The world uh, can do what they want to. Uh, the unbelieving world, that is, can do what they want to. But I'm just saying from a Christian perspective, to not submit to the government is sin. Now, we don't know all the circumstances that occurred back in the Revolutionary War. There were obviously atrocities that occurred, but the Christian has to remember that their primary responsibility, his or her primary responsibility, is to Jesus Christ, not to any earthly government. And because our government was founded based upon a rebellion, the idea of a just rebellion is baked into our Constitution. The idea of a just rebellion against authority is taught 
and it is one of the most foundational principles that we hold on to as America. It is enshrined in the Second Amendment, which gives the right of every citizen to own and bear arms and the ability for them to form a militia and fight against a government that becomes tyrannical. So you could say to me, well, Jonathan, the, the Constitution of the United States gives us a reason, uh, an out, if you will. It gives us an out to not submit to the government. Listen, I have to ask you, if that's your hard attitude, if that's what you are clinging to, I hope that you've really thought and prayed about that before God. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I, I'm going to suggest that you are. But I'm not going to say that you're out and out wrong. But I'm going to say this. Are you really honoring Christ by clinging to the exception of rebellion rather than the general principle of submission to authority that's found in the New Testament? You've got to really think about that. Are we honoring God by clinging to this one small out that would allow us to rebel against governing authorities written in our own constitution. Are we rebelling? Are we clinging to that rebellion or that opportunity to rebel rather than willingly submitting to the teaching, the broad teaching of the New Testament that over and over and over and over again emphasizes submission to governing authorities? You really need to think this through. Because this could be coming to us very quickly. Our government could be taking our freedoms away. I know for me personally, I would much rather be thrown in jail for preaching the gospel than for keeping my arms. I love my arms. I enjoy the recreational sport of shooting. But I'm just saying, if it push came to shove, I'd, I'd want to be thrown in jail because of the preaching of the gospel rather than rebellion against the government. And I want you to think about this as an example. Paul, Peter, James, and John, three of the most prolific writers of the New Testament. You could also include Luke with that. They lived under one of the most wicked and oppressive governments that has ever been known to mankind. The Roman government under the rule of Nero in the first century, and then the, the um, Caesar who was after Nero, that was one of the most wicked and heinous governments that ever existed on the face of the earth. And yet, did anywhere in the New Testament do we find the apostles protesting governmental oppression? Do we find the apostles getting into debates over politics with non-believers? No, we find the apostles engaging people with the gospel. And honestly, that's how real transformation came to the Roman Empire. The more Christianity was persecuted, as you, if you look at history in the second century and the third century, the more Christianity was persecuted, the more people who were martyred for their faith the greater and greater the spread of the gospel became. And I think that we should consider following the example of the apostles who were not interested in overthrowing the government. 
they were not interested in protesting. They were interested in how they could use the system of government that was in place to share the gospel. I mean, think about this. Paul used the, govern, the government and his rights within the government to his, his benefit on multiple occasions. And that was a very good thing. He also used the structures that the government had provided to be a means to provide the gospel. Do you think that Paul would have been as successful in his missionary endeavors had not the Roman system of roads and infrastructure been in place? I don't think he would have. So he used what the government provided. He used the framework that the government had built up, the infrastructure, the laws, etc., etc., to the advantage of sharing the gospel. In fact, that's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says this, I have become all things to all men in order that I might win some. Paul was dedicated to sharing the gospel above all else. And my friends, I think we just really need to think as Christians, what is our focus? What are we dedicated to? And I would follow up with this question. Whose kingdom are you striving for? Which king are you really seeking to serve? My friends, we have a responsibility as believers to submit to governing authorities, and this is difficult for us. This challenges the very foundational and fundamental perspectives that we have about life. But I'm telling you, we need to do what honors God. We need to change our attitude to be submissive to what the New Testament teaches. Let us, by way of true humility, practice what we find in the Scriptures. My friends, I hope that this has been thought-provoking for you, challenging to you. You know, we need to pray for the believers in both Ukraine and in Russia. We need to pray for peace that this conflict would end. We need to pray that God would use it for purposes that are beyond our understanding, but which will advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we ask you now to be with the people of Ukraine. We ask you, Lord God, to bring an end to this conflict and to use it in some way to bring glory to yourself. Heavenly Father, our hearts go out to those who are suffering unjustly. But Lord, you know, even more than we do, what pain they are going through and what sympathy they need. May we do all that we can to honor the authorities in our lives. And may we seek to do good to those who have need as often and as frequently as we have opportunity. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Thank you so much for considering this message. I pray that you would be challenged and that your heart would be more in line with the Word of God as you consider the truths that are revealed to us in the New Testament. God bless you.